Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. With the COVID-19 pandemic last year, there was a lot of talk about how our first responders, our heroes, our first-line uh, medical personnel and healthcare personnel are heroes. We talked to a, an emergency room nurse last year about some of the challenges that she was facing. But what about home health care? What about mental health care? And did the COVID-19 pandemic, the lockdowns, uh, the, the number of people who, who needed uh, especially extra care, did it exacerbate problems that already existed? Our guest this morning says it has. He's Gary Blumenthal. He is the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for Envision Health Services. Good morning, Gary. Hi, how are you? I, I'm okay. T- t- tell us, first of all, what Envision Human Services does. You are on the phone with me from Wexford, but you serve folks all over Western Pennsylvania, correct? Actually, we serve folks all over the state. Mm-hmm. We have offices in uh, Wexford, uh, our corporate offices in Wexford, but we also have uh, offices in Reading and in Harrisburg. We support people with intellectual disabilities and autism. Uh, we help them live in their own homes. We help them live in uh, different environments in the community. What we have essentially done is we take uh, and support people who have really significant challenges, which may be behavioral challenges, it may be uh, health challenges, uh, uh, it may be people who previously were in state institutions, mm-hmm. and we support their choice to live in the community. And, and your organization is a nonprofit corporation, correct? Uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, as are most of the providers who provide service people with intellectual disabilities, and autism in Pennsylvania. And you've been around for a while, although I think they changed their name at one point. The company was founded in the early 90s, correct? It was founded in the early 90s. Our our founder is a uh, woman who's worked for 40 years uh, in the uh, disability movement. Her name is Ruth Siegfried. Uh, She uh, started this... uh, uh, in the 90s, uh, she was committed to helping people who had very difficult challenges in life be able to live in, in the community. And uh, she started with just serving a few people. Now it's grown uh, to, to an agency that supports uh, hundreds of people across the state. Wow. Is is she still with us? Is, or is she still with the agency? Oh, she, she, she is the CEO, <laughs> founder, founder, wow. and president. Uh, she does just about everything from managing the organization to helping individuals get, get placed in the community uh, to working uh, with the legislature, working with the state uh, governor's office uh, to advocate for quality services for folks with disabilities. 
Uh, we're talking this morning with Gary Blumenthal. He's vice president of government affairs for Envision Health Service. Health Services, correct? Uh, human Services. Excuse human me. Services. Yeah, Envision Human Services. Can you give Envision us Human Services? Can you give us your website address, Gary? Please, for people to get more information. It's uh, it is in uh, www.envisionhs.org. Uh, uh, Gary Blumenthal is our guest for the half hour this morning. You mentioned that. there was this transition and and people are probably aware of it, but especially for maybe our younger listeners, they're not as aware of it. There was this transition uh, in the late eighties, early nineties from, from getting people from these often state run institutions to uh, reintegrating into the community. Uh, Tell us a little bit uh, about that. We used to have these state hospitals where folks with mental disabilities or intellectual or learning disabilities were, were locked away from the rest of us. Is that accurate? Um, a- actually, that that is very accurate, and and uh, uh, you know, the, the, around the turn of the century, actually, and and prior to that, the turn of the the twentieth century. Actually, mm-hmm. we have to remember which century we're talking. Right, because <laughs> uh, a bit confusing. Um, but people with intellectual disabilities or people with psychiatric disabilities uh, would be locked away and locked units in state institutions uh, without the opportunity to be close to their families, without the opportunity to have an education, without the opportunity to, to live on their own. Uh, in, in the uh, 60s and 70s, uh, this began to change uh, with the federal government, first the Kennedy administration, uh, passing a federal act. Uh, the Developmental Disabilities Act, which called for moving people out of state institutions into community settings. Much of this was because President Kennedy had a sister mm-hmm. with uh, with with uh, intellectual disabilities, and uh, his sister Eunice, his other sister Eunice, uh, Eunice Schreiber, was determined to make her brother uh, improve services for people with disabilities. And that, that changed the trajectory of this field. And in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, thousands of people were, were moved from state hospitals into community settings. State hospitals are, um, state hospitals had a history uh, prior to the 70s of having significant and widespread abuse and neglect. Mm-hmm. And and professionals in the field felt that uh, normalization was the best thing for folks, moving people into the community, loving people, work to the best of their abilities, having people supported in the community, which also turned out to cost a lot less. Well, and, and to interrupt for just a second, you know, there, there were some cases where, you know, the, the, the especially for folks with psychiatric conditions that in many cases now can be easily treated with um, prescription medication, those didn't exist at the turn of the 20th century. But, but there were also folks who, you know, um, what we would now know as autism or other relatively mild uh, intellectual challenges or intellectual um, um, uh, difficulties were often put in these institutions as well. Um, people who who could have had a normal life if, with just a little bit of extra care in the community um, who, who were put in these institutions. So the, 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 the system was, was really quite awful. And, and as you 
alluded to, there were some some pretty shocking exposés, um, books and, and magazine articles and, and television documentaries uh, that sort of exposed what was going on inside of, of some of these state hospitals. And, and actually, uh, although his reputation has diminished uh, significantly, Geraldo Rivera uh-huh. was uh, instrumental in uh, doing a documentary about the Willowbrook Institution in neighboring New York that was horrifying in its neglect and abuse of, of people with uh, intellectual disabilities. Uh, they basically moved people into these facilities in the state hospital uh, and put them in a day room, and there was no act treatment to speak of. Luckily, uh, you know, as people began to accept realization that people with intellectual disabilities are our sons and daughters and cousins, not to be hidden away, but to be brought into the community. Attitudes began to shift, and and the community system uh, began to flourish. The problem has been in recent years that uh, states and, and the federal government have not efficiently provided sufficient funding to help these programs hire staff and, and maintain adequate programs in the community. Uh, people who work in programs uh, throughout the state are supported by funding from Medicaid uh, at rates that are set by the state of Pennsylvania. Okay. And in Pennsylvania, the rates are incredibly insufficient to pay for people who work in this field uh, is so low that the people who work in the field uh, uh, qualify for food stamps, qualify for Medicaid as their health insurance, qualify for Section 8 housing. So we are essentially uh, asking uh, the Wolf Administration and the General Assembly use the opportunity they have been given by President Biden and Congress with the passage of the American Recovery uh, Plan mm-hmm. to fund a sufficient rate, pay the direct support professionals who work in this field, aid people with disabilities, help them cope with uh, how to hold a job, how to live in the community, how to manage their behavioral needs, and how to have lives. We want to pay those workers enough so they can feed themselves, their families, and pay for housing. And that that is not achievable with the current level of funding. Let's pause right there. Gary Blumenthal is with Envision Human Services. You can find out more about them by going to envisionhs.org. You can also call their office in Wexford at uh, 724-933-5100. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Strifflers also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at strifflers.com or call 412-678-6191. Before we took the break, you were talking about the, the staff um, the, the different of the different many different agencies. You mentioned most of them are nonprofits around the, the state that, that take care of people with both i'm i'm assuming both serious and relatively mild um uh challenges um 
what kind of skill sets well, do these folks need to have? Well, the people, the, the people that Envision serves uh, are people with complex, challenging needs uh, who uh, most uh, uh, the people we're serving need significant support okay. to be able to deliver to live in their homes. Um, do they live in group settings, or do they live in in, in, in private homes, or or who who does Envision help? Many many live in their own in their own homes. Okay. Uh, uh, many many live uh, live with their families. Okay. Uh, which, which is which is really challenging when you're 50 years old with an intellectual disability and your 80 year old mom sure. is taking care of you. We're talking with Gary Blumenthal from uh, Envision Human Services. I, I should throw in two caveats, one being that that not all, you know, we talked about some of the abuses of these state institutions before we took the break. Not all of them were abusive. And in fact, you know, in, in some cases, families and um, uh, residents of different state facilities uh, praised the care that they got. And, and certainly there were a lot of reforms uh, that happened as well. That's that's number one, I should mention. But number two, you know, you talked about some of the folks who, once they're back in the community, um, in many cases, uh, hold down a jobs, uh, hold down a job or volunteer. Uh, with different agencies or, you know, uh, uh, get involved in, in, in their neighborhoods where they are at once they are um, are able to have a support network that, that gets them the, the support that they need for whatever challenges that they face. Exactly. And, and uh, uh, what, what's important to also know is that the state institutions have dramatically improved. Uh, uh, they have uh, – the federal government, state government has monitored these programs. They, uh, what you saw in the 70s and the 80s into the 
because well, sure. when when you when you are hundreds of miles away from your family, when you are segregated only to be with other disabled people and not to be living, you know, a full inclusive life um, in the in the community. What are some of the skill sets that your staff, um, when they're going out into uh, private homes and working with a family where one of the family members has an intellectual challenge or or a learning challenge, uh, what are some of the skill sets they are bringing? Uh, Well, uh, the the duties of of someone uh, who is a direct support professional are are varied. Uh, (laughs) You have to... Uh, administer and manage medications. You have to uh, execute behavioral plans. You have to uh, help people uh, manage uh, uh, medical crises, mental health crises. You have to understand how to communication with people who have limited communication skills. You have to help them with transportation. You have to help them with medical needs. You have to make reports to the state. We provided in vision uh, over 100 hours in individual training uh, for direct support professionals uh, who come into our into our agency into our programs. Problem we have, problem we have, is that we are we because the pay is so low as provided by the state yep. for Medicaid is so low that the turnover, the number of people who leave this field, uh, after about 38. Is that in a is that in a twelve month period or, or what kind of period were we talking about? In a, in a, in a, within a twelve month yeah. in a twelve month period. Plus, there are thirteen thousand people in the state of Pennsylvania who are on a waiting list for services. Wow, they're on a waiting list to 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 be funded for services that they can get in the community. The problem is the state, you know, of the of the thirteen thousand people are on a waiting list. They identify 5,000 of those people uh, as being in a crisis stage in their lives, meaning meaning the parent that may be an older person, their parents have died and they, they have nowhere to go. They need they need emergency. They need emergency, uh, uh, you know, residential yeah. supports or, 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 or employment supports. One one thing I'm thinking here, if I can interrupt for a second, Gary, you know, my 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 dad did not have an intellectual disability, but he was um, did have a terminal illness, and he was on home hospice for a while, and it was very important for him to have continuity of care, so that the hospice nurse who was visiting him, you know, knew what his medications were, knew what his condition was. So I mean, we could kind of chart, you know, unfortunately in his case, uh, what his last days were going to be. But, you know, you know, she talked to him every day. She knew what, what he was going through every day. If you're going through between 30 and 80 percent turnover in a year, it seems to me that would be very hard for the, the, the patient that you're helping to have any kind of continuity from, from day to day, week to week, month to month. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the other thing that's incredibly challenging is there are – the state is making an effort to reduce the waiting list to serve more people. And people are, are being given uh, the notice by the state that we now have funding to support in receiving services. The problem is they can't find many agencies 
enough staff for the program. So people on the waiting list are stuck even longer because the program can't find staff. It is a crisis moment. It is an absolute crisis moment. The General Assembly and the governor have a chance this year to fix this crisis. The uh, uh, American Recovery Act, uh, enacted by President Biden and adopted by Congress, is providing the state with uh, $329 million uh, this year that can be used for rate increase, that can even be matched to draw down other additional federal dollars. And the state has an opportunity, a unique opportunity, due to the American Recovery Act to invest in these programs. We so hope the governor and general assembly do this. We have to take one more 30-second break. When we come back, let's talk uh, specifically about uh, some of the solutions that you propose in your op-ed, okay? Absolutely. Uh, Gary Blumenthal is with Envision Human Services. Uh, They help folks in the intellectual disability and autism community to live independently in their homes or with a family member. You can find out more about them at envisionhs.org. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Gary, we've been talking off the air. Tell me, define for people what a direct support professional is, DSP, that comes up in your op-ed a lot. The the direct support professional is uh, someone who is professionally trained by our programs, by Envision, to help people live in the community. They have to understand medical needs. They have to understand behavioral needs. They have to understand how to negotiate state bureaucracy. They have to be a job coach. Uh, They have to be multi-talented. They have to know how to manage an individual's life. They have to know how to communicate with a person who may or may not be verbal. Uh, It is a very challenging and stressful job. However, there are some absolutely wonderful people Mm -hmm. who work in this field because it's a mission to them, and they want to uh, help people uh, with disabilities live live a fuller life. Unfortunately, this industry has been dependent upon the kindness of low-paid workers, and and, uh, no industry, uh, no service is sustainable if you don't pay people a wage so they can house themselves and feed themselves. Many of the direct support professionals have to work two to three jobs yeah. uh, to, to support themselves. And, and there's an inequity in terms of how the state treats them. The state center direct support professionals, DSPs, earn an average of $18 an hour, where community folks are surviving maybe on 13 an hour. We're trying this year to convince the legislature to support equal pay for equal work. Yeah, just for just okay. for for the for the audience's benefit, because I I did a little bit of digging into this myself, not very much, and, and I'm not an expert on this, but yeah, the the average salary in Pennsylvania uh, is reported for a direct support professional um, is about twenty six thousand dollars per year, or um, about fourteen dollars an hour is is what different uh, employers are. That's that's shocking. That you could make that at at you know, a retail job. You could probably make more at a retail job or at a restaurant job. Uh, it is. It is. And and uh, I believe that the citizens of the Commonwealth are 
very supportive of, of programs for people with intellectual disabilities and autism. And I think this is the moment for the legislature and the governor to step up. Uh, uh, these programs will will collapse if we can't find sufficient staff. And I think we're making some progress. The governor and the General Assembly have announced that they will uh, examine our rates and, and, and look at making an increase this, this year. Uh, uh, the question is how, how, how willing are they to invest what's needed so that direct support professionals actually have a roof over their head one job, not two or three, and and that so that programs uh, such as Envision uh, and other programs across the state will have turnover more akin to what the state has, which is about fourteen percent. The, the state, uh, my understanding is, the state, and you mentioned this in your op-ed, is supposed to was is supposed to every three years review the the rate of pay and the conditions for these um, disability support professionals. And yep. that that has not happened. Um, that regulation was put in five years ago. That has not happened in the last three years. The regulation was announced. Uh, the, the, the intent to, to, to review rates every three years was announced by the governor's team uh, in, in uh, when they were adopting the FY17-18 budget in 2016. Uh, and they said, this is our intention to do this every three years. It was five years ago. However, uh, what happened uh, is that the state has a formal regulation process, and it took, I don't know, two years to get the regulation go to go through the state food chain Sure, be finally published and adopted. Uh, the current rates are based upon cost calculations that were made in 2015. So it's, it's even worse than it sounds in terms of the need to put funding in this program. I am feeling slightly optimistic uh, uh, because the, the, the administration is listening to us, the legislature is listening to us, uh, but uh, the process is not yet completed. What can folks do if they're listening to this and, and they want to help? Well, first of all, if they want to help Envision directly, um, are, are there ways for people to help you? Like you mentioned, you are a nonprofit charitable organization, so I'm assuming uh, monetary donations are helpful, but are there other kinds of help that Envision can use? Uh, actually, uh, we, we do have a foundation. Okay. Envision has a foundation, which, which can be found on our website at envisionhs.org. Uh, and, and we do use charitable donations to support our program, but we can't live just, but we can't pay wages based upon uh, just donations. No. Because those, you, you need ongoing sustainable funding. But there are things we are able to do with, with foundation dollars that help the agency be able to function better in, in, in supporting people. But I would ask, call Governor Wolf. <laughs> Or your state legislator or your state senator, I guess, huh? Or, or, or your, right. Your legislator uh, or, the, or, uh, or your, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, any elected official you know at this point. The governor's office uh, can be reached at 717-787-2500. It would really help for folks to call the message to the governor to support the intellectual disability and autism programs 
and pay direct support professionals a decent wage. And probably most of us at this point know someone who is living with some intellectual disability or challenge, be it autism or some some other learning disability. Um, those personal stories are probably very important, too, to share with your state legislator or, or state senator or Governor Wolf's office. Well, family members and people with disabilities are the best advocates there are. Gary Blumenthal is Vice President of Governmental Relations for uh, Envision Human Services. He has been our guest this morning. You can find out more about them at envisionhs.org. Gary, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us about this issue this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening today to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. On Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, and Tube City Online Radio. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.